Hi, I'm Carol Pelletier-Radford, and you're listening to the Teaching with Light podcast. On this podcast, I'll share encouraging lessons I've learned through a long career in education, and I'll interview other teachers and leaders so they can share their wisdom with all of us. This series of the podcast is titled, Listen to Inspiring Leaders. Each of the 10 episodes introduces you to a former classroom teacher who is now leading in a new way to support the education community. As I planned this podcast series, I reached out to the leaders who have most inspired me. After scheduling all 10 interviews, I realized that all 10 of these leaders were women. And so this unplanned program development reminds us that there are many inspiring women leaders who are influencing public policy and education practices. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Inspiring Women Leaders Series. Our podcast title for today is Be a Lamp, Not a Mirror. School cultures influence the ways in which teachers behave and react to situations. In my experience, the culture of a school is modeled by the leadership team and can also be shaped by any experienced teachers at the school who have been longer at the school than the current administration. Experienced teachers have figured out the unspoken norms in a school, and many have outlived those administrators who have come and gone. Knowing how to participate within the dynamic of a school can be complicated, especially for beginning teachers. Most novices are more nervous about just teaching their students and thinking about keeping their jobs than they, and that makes them just become observers of the culture. They're unsure of when to speak up and ask for help, fearing their mistakes will be made public. The research by Susan Moore Johnson has even shown that some teachers leave teaching because they can't navigate a negative school culture. So sometimes when school culture is toxic, filled with hopelessness, it causes teachers to either hide in their classrooms to avoid confrontation, or it brings teachers together to complain and gossip about what isn't working. As the old saying goes, misery loves company. So how can teachers break the cycle of of this despair when they find themselves in this type of school or this situation? To me, be a lamp, not a mirror, means that we as individuals have to find the light inside of us. This lamp needs to stay ignited, and that is why we all need skills and strategies so we can be part of the creative solutions that are needed to heal any school. Practicing mindfulness, getting outside nature, and coming from a heart-centered perspective are some ways we can cope with the challenging situations we face in school environments that are less than ideal. I am here today with April Frazier. April and I met at the Total Teacher Project Conference many years ago, and she was a guest speaker who introduced 
all of us to daily mindfulness practices we could use to find our balance. I recently had become certified as a yoga teacher, so I connected with April instantly and embraced her practical message of integrating this into our classrooms and lives. She also accepted my invitation to be an extraordinary coach to teachers in the Mentoring and Action Leadership Academy, and there she shared all her gifts. One of the gifts was an online workshop video that helped all of the teachers in the academy understand how they could actually integrate these practices with their students. April is unpretentious, generous, and full of light. So how can teachers actually shift to being a lamp instead of mirroring back the negative vibes that they are experiencing? That's what we will learn today as we listen to April's journey and her vision for schools and teachers. Welcome, April. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Carol, and thank you for those listening. Oh, I'm glad you're here. So since this podcast uh, series features uh, inspiring leaders who are former classroom teachers, I'd like you to share with our audience today a bit about your journey into teaching, why you chose to become a classroom teacher, where you taught, for how long. Tell us your story. Happy to. Yeah, I, um, I feel as though my personal experience as a child, somewhat geared me or pulled me into into teaching. Um, And it connects to this idea of being a lamp and not a mirror. I I remember very clearly as a child understanding that I was a non-traditional learner, yet I had a lot of light and spirit within me. Um, However, I was very much within classroom communities, and remember teachers who specifically did not meet me in my light and my non-traditionalness and tried to dim it to meet um, over-categorized and standardized ways of being and learning. Um, This really pulled me into, as an adult, uh, going more deeply into how do we meet children and ourselves and our strengths authentically in who we are and to be a lamp and an, in, and an insight into others in an authentic way. Um, another background about me is that I am very multiracial. And so that also inspired me to look specifically at the inequities within education systems, specifically anti-racist education. So I studied anti-racist education in college. And then after that, I explored being a teacher, a middle school teacher in a resilient uh, school in the Bronx that was about to shut down. And I clearly remember um, how quickly my light was pushed to dim based off of just the inequities and the way school culture and schools in general were set up to be over standardized as a way to not meet people in their strengths. That uh, really pushed me, that experience. And I met some of the brightest young people in that position. And I also saw that when we are depleted, kind of like a lamp, when there's no energy behind the lamp, it dims less brightly. 
I uh, saw myself and my colleagues and my children based off of the exhausting school culture and system start to dim. And so what you're saying is really interesting, and I want to kind of probe you a little bit. So you were a beginning teacher. You yes. had colleagues. Um, did you have a mentor? Did you have some people that you could kind of connect with in light? Or what were you like a lost island in this school culture? It felt like an isolating place to be. And um, the way mentorship was approached uh, when I was a teacher was very much in a way where those things that were framed in a way to support us actually felt more judgmental and defeating. So I had folks who were my quote unquote mentors um, and it wasn't their fault. It was part of their job description and what they were pushed to do um, using things like rubrics and things like that, that really did not feel like a light for me. It felt like a judgment for me. I think what you're saying is really important. And I want to delve in a little bit about um, the, the word strengths, because what you're talking about is how we can work to find the strengths in our students but I'm hearing you say we need to find the strengths in our teachers. <laughs> so that differentiated instruction that many teachers are taught to look at students in a variety of way, but not always. And it sounds like your school maybe was more test driven. Mm -hmm. uh, so say a little bit about that, like finding strengths in beginning teachers through mentoring. How could mentoring change to keep light? the light on for beginning teachers and not be so judgmental. Yeah, I feel um, intuitively with them uh, for teachers to really reconnect to what brought them on a, and not a professional level even, because teaching is a calling. Like what was that fuel for your life that drove you and pushed you and told you to, uh, to come into teaching to begin with? Um, what inspired you to choose teaching? Who is that child? Who were you as a child? Um, how did you learn? How were you inspired or not? Like, what is that fuel, that electricity that brought you here, that brought you to teaching? Um, and really reconnecting with that and mentors reconnecting teachers with that because every teacher has it. Every single teacher has a personal light within them that brought them here, that brought them to teaching. Yes, yes. And I love what you're saying because this is a conversation that every mentor could have with the novice teacher. And by having the conversation, it actually ignites their own flame. So they're not just doing the mentoring as uh, uh kind of blindly or unconscious mentoring, <laughs> just checking off the boxes of, of a job description. So you've brought up a very important piece of your journey. Now, you didn't stay in the class. Is this what had you leave? And how did you find the other? How did you keep your light going? I know you have your own business now. How did you transition? Did you just become a yoga teacher? What, what happened? You weren't uh, so, happy. 
<laughs> yeah, I kind of knew that after, like being a non-traditional learner myself and teaching to a test during that time, which was over 10 years ago, it didn't speak fully and organically um, to what my, my light was, which was really what I saw when working with young people and with my peers. I saw that I really, what, what showed in me was this social emotional presence and support of young people to just authentically show up as they are and speak about what they're going through. And so I found out pretty early on that many of the challenges that teachers and students were facing, at least in my classroom, were not so much academic in nature, but there was this social emotional wellness and resilience piece and skills around that that was providing the biggest challenge. And so I looked into, at this time I started my yoga journey. And at the time I was like, I can really see these practices translating over for young people and teachers because um, it's a self-empowering tool where we're, it's not some rubric, it's not some outside training, it's not, I need more money for some more technology. It's what are the tools within myself? How do I listen to my breath, my body? I am in it already. Learn to listen to those things, learn to navigate those tools in the challenging moments in my life. And how could that be my greatest resource? And at the time, there wasn't much around, like I couldn't look up on like idealist for or the board of education job board to find that. But I knew intuitively that this is where I should lean, combining my love of mindfulness and yoga with supporting young people and teachers. And so I went to, um, there was this first year program at Columbia, the Spirituality Mind Body Institute. I was part of the first year cohort and I really explored um, how to combine mindfulness, yoga practices to meet teachers where they are and young people where they are. And it just expanded organically and I went with the flow of it. Um, another thing that I felt was really supportive of me is this combination of speaking very personally from my own struggles as a teacher and using that language to speak to mindfulness because there's a lot of teaching in yoga and mindfulness but unless you can speak about the practices through the, through the specific experience of teaching in the system it's kind of like a language that could be inaccessible. So I found a way to combine the two. So, so tell, uh, who were your teachers in this program? I know it was the first cohort. Were you still teaching students at the time or had you left the classroom? And I, yeah, this? I will never leave the classroom. I, um, for me to keep my lamp and my light going, I will always need to be um seeing the profession of teaching through the eyes of children and connecting with children. And so I was still, I really, I kind of changed my relationship to teaching away from academic and towards mindfulness, yoga, social, emotional, social, emotional learning, trauma informed practices. So I started to do that. In, within a school context or offering it as your own business? Uh, both. 
both. So a school could hire you to engage with their students and their staff and teaching faculty to help them understand how to work with the kids more um, more engaging to get to that social and emotional resilience topic that you're talking about. Is that how it works? What, do, what does it look like? Yeah, so it was somewhat like that. I found that because I was a teacher previously, I just started to know organically a bunch of teachers who rose up into principal positions around that time. And Perfect. so they partnered with me um, around, okay, let's try this out. Let's see what our teachers think about mindfulness and yoga. And I would hold these introductory sessions with teachers and then the curiosity around what this meant for them and what it meant for their children kind of started to organically build. And as an independent contractor, I was able to instead really cultivate mindfulness practices in a way that was responsive to specific students in school communities versus um, just going by a curriculum and letting that speak for itself. I feel the responsiveness was helpful. And you were customizing for the context of that school and you had some relationships and uh, what was the reaction from the teachers? I would be more surprised if I ever entered a space with teachers and everyone was on board initially. Yes. <laughs> very, teachers are understandably skeptical folks and I, and I want them to be. And so the practice of mindfulness, um, the teaching really what I noticed was not so much in speaking to folks about mindfulness, but how do I hold the varying degrees of openness and resistance and experiences of teacher with non-judgmental care and compassion, as well as raising up the things that they're already doing that connect to mindfulness, even if they're not calling it that. Yes, I, I agree. And I think there's a lot of confusion that I I have been doing self-care workshops and uh, a lot of integration of mindfulness and meditation into my mentoring work. And I, I feel the same. Some teachers are confused. What does it mean? Is it religious? Is it, I don't meditate, I pray, I, uh, but I do want to minimize my anxiety. So there, there's a lot of um, layering and use of the words matters. Did you ever, was that part of that um, relationship with the teachers? Because if the teachers aren't on board, it's very difficult to integrate um, mindfulness into work with kids. Yeah. Um, I feel that just like we diversify our communication and teaching of young people, Mindfulness is the same way. And so I found that I would speak or hold space for mindfulness with various access points. So in those introductory sessions for some teachers, it's speaking about the neuroscience and really grounding it in the brain that that was their access point. For some folks, just speaking about what mindfulness is was an access point for others 
how holding a brief experience of feeling it in the body and the nervous system through the breath and through a practice was the access point uh, for others you know, integrating mindfulness into an activity that one is already doing, into walking, cleaning, eating could be an access point. So just like we diversify and differentiate for children, we uh, hold space to do the same for ourselves. I love that. And I I believe um, Castle's work with social and emotional uh, development skills that really started out focusing on kids social and emotional skill sets has now shifted and added skills for the adults so that we can all look and see well what what's my reaction when somebody confronts me how can I learn different skills but the pausing and the access points are real ways and practical ways to talk to people that maybe could get a benefit from using these strategies, but need the right definition, or I love the way you're saying access point. Could you lead us in just a short feeling, like what does it feel like to just take a 60 second or a one minute pause, meditation, mindfulness, whatever we want to call it, <laughs> so that we're open to it. Would you be willing to do that for us? Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, so I'm going to invite us into a, a resourcing, since it's a lamp, right, a resourcing practice here. And so before we arrive in stillness, so for many of us, you know, just arriving in stillness is, is interesting to do, especially if the mind's moving quickly. So I invite you first to just move in a way in your body that feels supportive of you wherever you are. Um, perhaps it's a rolling of the neck. Perhaps it's a rocking of the body. Perhaps it's a stretching through the shoulders. Yeah, just can you feel it more than think it? You can continue this gentle movement if you'd like, or if it feels okay for you, you can arrive in a comfortable seat or position of stillness. Good. Now, one way you can resource yourself is to just feel the support of what's beneath you. Good. Perhaps it's the backs of the legs on whatever you're sitting on. Perhaps it's the sensation of the feet on the ground. And know that underneath wherever you are sitting, there is the earth supporting you without you even having to ask. You are supported 
in this moment by the ground and you didn't even have to ask. Another resource that you have within you is just notice where you feel the breath in your body. You're already breathing, so you're already doing it right. You don't have to change the breath. Just perhaps notice where it's residing in the body now. Perhaps notice the qualities of that breath. Is the breath short or long? Notice the length of the inhales and the exhales. And then from wherever you are, another resource is just noticing the sounds that surround you without judgment. Perhaps first noticing the sounds that are far away outside of whatever room or space you're in. And whether there's lots of noise or none at all, it's fine. And then perhaps noticing the sounds closer to you within whatever space you're in. Perhaps name them in your mind as they arise. Good. Know that these resources are there for you at any time. The support of the ground beneath you, the breath in your body, the sounds that surround you. And your freedom to listen to the body and move it and stretch it in a way that feels supportive of you. And if the eyes are closed, if you're ready, you can open the eyes. Good. Slowly come back to whatever space that you're in. Oh, I don't want to come back. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to. I love this. I love you, April. You're so gentle and your voice is calming and it just shifts the energy. So 
Oh, I can hear all the listeners' shoulders just went down. I could feel that. <laughs> so how can our listeners, our, our audience, explore more ways uh, to integrate mindfulness or pausing or whatever access point we want to use? And how can they use resources on your website? Mm-hmm. How can we move forward with this conversation and put it into reality for the listening audience? Yeah. Um, Anybody, anyone and everyone can be invited into integrating presence into what they're already doing already. One of my coworkers said it's never too late for the present moment, which is awesome. And so my first invitation for all teachers is to, as a starting point, integrating with yourself or integrating with your students, more presence and awareness into things that you're already doing anyways. And the reason I say this is because many times the resistance from teachers can come up because there's already so many things to do. So how am I going to set aside? 10 to 15 minutes to just sit and be still and to breathe. Like that's not my life. It's not many people's lives. Right. And so I wanted to unpack and debunk that a little bit. Um, So for example, if you're walking or transitioning with into a classroom, inviting yourself and your students to use that as an opportunity for a mindful walk. Uh, feeling your feet on the ground, maybe alternating each foot and inhale and an exhale. Um, If there's snack time with your students, and this is interesting too, because now we're calling from a lot of virtual learning spaces, but if there's food involved, you can just draw all of your awareness and senses towards the food that you're eating. Layers of sound, students just noticing in any moment and yourself noticing what are the sounds that surround us. And then, you know, your breath and how we move. Just inviting that curiosity in and speaking about it with your students. So for example, if conflicts arise in the class or tension, instead of mirroring that back, Part of being the light could be like speaking out loud to your about your experience to the children. Like, oh, I notice that when things are anxious, like right now, wow, my body's moving quicker. I'm noticing tension in my body and I haven't breathed deeply. That's interesting. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths. Would you like to join me? And so those are just little access points and entryways into... Um, enlightening and and shining light on mindfulness in any moment where you already are. And so part of the resources I invite you into first are your own inner resources, listening to yourself, um, integrating presence into things you already do and do well. And then if you'd like to uh, reach out to me, I know Carol has access to my website. I have a website, um, Ahimsa at Strikingly. And I also invite anyone to just reach out to me um, at any time if you're interested. Can you Uh, say your website um, to the listeners? Spell it out. Um, It is 
A H I M S A M Y L L C dot my strikingly dot com. And and can people find you if they put April Frazier out in their search engine? Yeah, I also would welcome anyone to text me. I don't know, Carol, is it appropriate to give my number? Well, we what we'll do is we will have some information on the companion website where right. people can reach out to you and then you, they can um, collaborate with you in that way. Uh, in a more personal connection once they've made that original contact. Mm-hmm. And the website, I just want to say to the audience, um, there's a there's a video that I've used and integrated into my online graduate courses, very inspiring, and other resources and ways to to connect with April. So what's next for you? Um, I'm meeting folks where they are. I, I love what I do and I'm going to continue just holding space and in, in doing that. I will continue my work specifically with mindfulness and yoga and resilient schools for teachers. Um, I do a lot of work with youth detention centers and resilient young people and I tend to, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And then my hope is just to continue to reconnect teachers and young people back to their inner resources and strength via this conduit of mindfulness practices. I love it. So in closing, what advice or inspirational words do you have for the listeners who who might be struggling with a little bit of confusion, chaos, negative culture for them to keep their light on? What, What would you like to say? I would like to say that, um, yeah, like a lamp, a lamp cannot shine if it doesn't have its own energy and heat within itself. And if you're at a place where you feel like that light is dim or you're exhausted, I invite you in your own time to pause, to breathe, and to reconnect with your inner resources the passion that brought you here and know that the answers you need and the strength you have, it already lies within you. It already is there. You got everything you need. Thank you, April, for Mm -hmm. sharing your journey, for doing uh, a pause meditation with us and for the practical advice that you just gave about shining our lights. I do believe in social and emotional skills for the teachers and the educators, and they're just as important as what we're teaching our students. I like to end each podcast with an affirmation. And the affirmation for this episode is, I shine my light. Thank you to all our listeners for being with us today. I hope our conversation has inspired you and given you some practical ways to think about how you can shift your energy when you need to. Thanks for joining us and keep shining. Thanks, April. Thank you. Shine brightly. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Light podcast. 
For more wisdom and inspiration, you can purchase the Teaching with Light book at corwin.com forward slash teaching with light. That's corwin.com forward slash teaching with light. Thank you.